Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. You know, the change we can see most of the time end up being pretty good change. They, they, they uh, pull, us out, pull, pull us or somebody else out of a ditch. They hang from a porch roof to a swing that we can swing under or help us move vehicles in the snow and ice. It's the change you can't see that are the problem. It's the change that creep into our lives incrementally over time, sometimes over decades, and grip us with fear or with anxiety or with, you fill in the blank, health issues. Uh, It's those changes that that I think Peter is talking about today um, when he talks about our our being enslaved to, to some things. And nobody intends, certainly believers don't intend to look up one day and end up in slavery. But we, many of us find ourselves in slavery to food, to pill, to alcohol, to a relationship, to a job, to you fill in the blank. And we didn't intend for that to happen that way. It just, it happens over time. And so how do we recognize that and move from it, guard against it and move from it? Turn, if you will, to the second chapter of Second uh, Peter. We're going to look at today at verses 17 to 22. Uh, this, is, this is dovetailing what we looked at last week about false teaching and the warning against false teaching and some of the repercussions from it. We continue those same thoughts today with these, these new warnings. Verse 17, 2 Peter chapter 2. These people are springs without, these people are the false teachers that I, that I just mentioned. These people are springs without water and mists driven by a storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, They're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turned their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a sow that is washed returns to to her wallowing in the mud. Four things today I want us to glean from this text about being enslaved. We can become enslaved, first of all, to emptiness. We can become enslaved to emptiness. Look at 17 and 18 again. These people are springs without water, mist driven by a storm, blackest darkness is reserved for them. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. These people, as I said, are the false teachers that we looked at last week. He describes them here as springs without water, as, as those with empty yet boastful words. Now, I don't think the intent here is to talk about present-day culture, but what present-day culture certainly applies here to this truth. It's, it's, this is a, a picture of modern-day liberalism, of lo- modern-day progressivism, uh, if I ever saw one, uh, meaning, in essence, as long as you say you care, then you care, don't you? It doesn't matter what you do. 
what you do about it. But, uh, and he says here, they prey on the vulnerable. Uh, they entice those who are, watch this, just escaping. Who just walked away from, from, from fear. Just walked, walked away from anxiety. Just walked away from addiction. Entice those who are just escaping from a bad influence, from failure, from loss, from a sense of need of some kind. Uh, and I'm not, I don't want to paint just a negative picture to the progressives because many times conservatives aren't much better. We promise smaller government and, and less intrusive, and, and it's not any smaller than it was. It's bigger uh, and just as intrusive as, as it has been. Uh, we, we want more accountability, but end up having less, I think, most of, a lot of times. Uh, we don't, in fact, this isn't teaching about politics in nature, but we don't need more politicians. What we need are some leaders who have a moral compass, a moral compass that points to a true north in the scripture and will lead from that vantage point. That's desperately what, our, what any organization, any country, any, any, any church needs is leadership that has, has some values, has some beliefs and some, some, some stalwart uh, places of, of, of solidity. And they make decisions from those places from, from the inside out. Uh, this, is, this is not... Uh, convenient in our day. It's not, it's not politically correct to talk about, but we need folks who will do what's right and what's true, and, and, and the moral compass needs to come from this book. Uh, empty, empty promises have crept into our nation. Empty promises have, have, for that matter, crept into the kingdom. They've crept into church. Uh, there, there are many today in, in pulpit after pulpit, in church after church, that won't touch the hard things. It won't touch the, 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 the harsher truths. Because they want to be nice and the gospel should be nice shouldn't it well sometimes the gospel doesn't come across very nice because it speaks against the very things that our culture is in favor of and uh, this idea to an easy walk to a convenient walk of christ i don't find it here it's just not here uh, and in fact he tells us here that if you're going to walk with me you're going to have trouble there's going to be some pain involved there's going to be some cost involved there's going to be some things you have to give up to walk with me there is no easy or convenient way to live out your faith in this culture. There's no easier, convenient way to live out your faith. Uh, but we are, can, can, as I say, because of that, become enslaved to emptiness and thinking the empty, this is as good as it get, ever gets, isn't it? No, he's got, he's got something far greater designed for us to fill us up. Secondly, not only can we be, become enslaved to emptiness, we, can, we can, be, can become enslaved to the need of the moment. The need of the moment, look at verse 19 again with me. He says there, there are people, uh, there are promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. I love that phrase, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. There's no greater truth in Scripture. Um, Charles Hummel is credited with coining the phrase, the tyranny of the urgent, meaning that what's on my plate in this moment supersedes everything else in the world and everything else going on around me. We are, we are, we are as a culture, living in the tyranny of the urgent, meaning that we have no patience for anything to develop or to, to come about. Um, it wasn't that long ago, believe it or not, that people didn't have cell phones. And, and what, a, what a tremendous invention the answering machine was. Anybody still have answering machines at their house? They probably sold them in the last rummage sale. Um, but answering machines meant that this person would probably get my message when they got home this afternoon and may call me back tonight or tomorrow. That, that, that era is gone. We, we, we expect if we leave somebody a message for that call to be returned in 10 or 15 minutes 
or even worse with the text message, we, we, we demand an immediate return for the text message. Certainly if you're a millennial, if you're a millennial, and it's not, you're not responded in 30 seconds, something's got to be wrong. They, they, they got health problems, they're dead somewhere. Uh, this sense of immediacy that we live with is, is uh, I think, driving our culture. And in fact, I laid my cell phone down on, on, on the pew, I was going to hold it up for you to say, it has, in, with many, hopefully not most, but with many, it's become a God. It's become something that controls my life and has gripped me to, to, to the extent that without it, I don't know what to do. I, I, I'm lost, I'm disconnected. And that, that need of the moment, uh, I, I think the enemy will find many ways to, to grip us and, and keep us enslaved to that if he can. Uh, we, we live in a work-centered culture and go home to child-centered homes. The problem with that is there's a huge difference between a calling and a job. I hope you are doing what you're doing because you feel called of God to do it. But at its best, jobs are a means to, as a means to an end. They're a means to pay bills. Calling is something much, much more deeper than that. But too many parents, I think, allow the enemy to guilt us into parenting out of shame and out of guilt rather than out of truth. And consequently, we especially in homes where both parents work and, and, and kids are either in daycare or uh, some after-school program or whatever else. Nothing wrong with any of those things. Nothing wrong with both parents working. But there is something wrong with parenting out of guilt because we can't be what we thought we could be. We can't, we can't be the parent. We, we, we can't uh, provide all the things and all the, all the access that we thought we hoped we could, we could provide when we became a parent. So we'll buy more and do more and, and take our kids to more places. Nothing wrong with any of that. It's not evil. But as a substitute for the parent that I should be, let me let something go to be the parent that I should be. Uh, that, that, that those are hard decisions to make and, and ones that have to be made with the Lord's guidance and under the Spirit's leadership and, and with, with husband and wife talking about those kind of things as well. But we aren't designed to parent out of guilt because of, of the immediate taking over and the, the sense of what my kid needs today and in this moment taking over. Uh, how do, how do we change that, that sense of immediacy? Well, one, especially as it relies to parents, our goal should be respected instead of liked. I don't care if my kids like me. I do now, but I didn't when they were 6, 7, 8, 10, 15 years old. I cared about whether they respected me or not, but my goal was not to be liked by them. And so I think it starts, especially in homes, <laughs> With, with that shifting that, that mindset of my goal is not to be liked, my, my goal is not to be my, my kid's buddy, it's to be their parent. And, and if, if, if my goal is to be respected rather than to be, to be liked, I'm going to make decisions from a far greater and more solid place. Then we need to move our thinking out of the urgent, out of the immediate, and into my lifespan first. And then beyond my lifespan, into eternity. I think it's almost impossible to get someone who is so screen attached to have eternal thoughts. I first got to get them to have life thoughts. What, what in the grand scheme of my life does this do for me? Or does, does this hinder my relationship face-to-face with him or her at a job or my, my, my witness, my testimony? So if I can move someone from, from it's de- their dependence on technology, or it doesn't have to be technology, anything else we're addicted to, a, a relationship, a job. If I can move someone from that line of thinking into what's the greater picture of my life supposed to be about? What's my life supposed to accomplish? Is there some, some sense of purpose and design for my being here? And if so, what is it? Have I found it? Am I walking in it? Then, once I get some, a person to think about their, their life and, and out of the tyranny of the urgent, 
Then my goal is to move them to thinking, thinking and planning and, and living life from an eternal perspective, from a standpoint of, I'm not from here. In fact, I'm a foreigner here. I should feel like a foreigner here. And, and that should be the norm for me. And if it's not the norm, how do I get back to feeling like a foreigner again? I've got to get back to walking the life that God's called me to walk and living that out. The need of the moment can enslave us if we allow it to. Thirdly, we can become enslaved to emptiness, to the need of the moment. But thirdly, we can become enslaved to the familiar. To the familiar. Look at, look at verses 20 and 21 with me again. He says, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and are overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. They become entangled, he says here, and uses this phrase, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. Uh, I wonder why we revert back to things instead of stepping into the unknown. I wonder why we revert back to the known instead of stepping into something we don't know. Don't know. I would submit to you that it's this. Is that we would rather deal with fear uh, than, than we would rather deal with uh, this idea of, of pain. I, I've done some counseling before with uh, women who are, have been in, in abusive relationships mentally and physically. And my counsel to them is leave. Then let's talk about healing the relationship if you want to do that. But get out of the abuse. Get away from the abuse. And I, it, it, it bum puzzles me that they go back again and again and again. Because they would, do, would rather deal with the pain of the known than the fear of the unknown. Blows my mind. But I, I see that and I get it. I understand the, the, the value of predictability and why that's such a not just to women, but just, it is a value to women that, that they, they want to know and are, are valued or are, are value the familiar and the pain that comes with it versus the, the, the fear of the unknown. Um, in fact, a, the number of marriages and careers that are that live in that sense of continual frustration really is innumerable. Uh, it's it, it'd blow your mind to know that. Uh, so what do we do? We don't allow the enemy to keep you enslaved. To being a victim. He will keep you a victim if, 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 you, if he can. He will keep you. It's uh, any kind of counseling I've done with folks over the years, marriage or personal or otherwise, usually always step number one is to help get them to see you're not a victim. Now, you are a victim of what's happened to you, but staying there, staying in that victim state is a choice that you make. It's, it's yes, uh, you know, life has thrown you a curve and it's, it's dealt you a bad hand, in the immediate past or whatever, or in the far past. But you're choosing to allow that to control you and choosing to stay a victim is your own choice. Uh, that's, that's this idea that I think he's trying to get across here. We, we become entangled in that and end up worse off in the end than we were at the beginning. So getting where you are may not have been your choice. In the circumstances you find yourself in today, you may not have chose, but staying there is your choice. And how you react to it and respond to it is a choice you make. Now, back in, we looked at it a few weeks ago, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you have tasted and seen that he is good and you've tasted and experienced his goodness, why in the world would we go back to the pain of the, of the known? Why would we go back to that which doesn't feed us or fill us, get ourselves entangled again, either in 
the, the tyranny of the urgent or in the pain of the past and allowing the past to rule the present. We can become enslaved to the familiar. Then finally, not only can we become enslaved to emptiness, to the need of the moment, to the familiar, but finally, we can become enslaved to ourselves. We become enslaved to ourselves. Look at verse 22. Of them, uh, these who have become enslaved, he's talking about, of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. A dog returns to its vomit because it thinks it can pull something good out of what's bad. It thinks there may be a nugget or something they've thrown up that, that is, is, is digestible again when it's all trash <laughs> because they, they just threw it up, but they'll, they'll try and pick the good out of what's, what they've thrown up, thinking that there's good to be picked from the bad in that. When we walk away from this world, we need to learn to stay away. Many of us will creep back in a step at a time, a thought at a time, an action at a time, an event at a time. And, and, and instead of finding ourselves walking away, we keep returning to the same thing, returning to the same, same habits and, and, and thoughts and desires we had. This idea of wallowing in the mud really deals with comfort, that, that, that a, pig will find, a pig finds that comfort in that. And we'll just after a bath, a bath, go back to the same mud that you just washed off in. Why? Because he's comfortable in the mud. So it's about comfort he's talking about there to say, uh, it, 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 if we're going to pursue comfort in this culture, we can find it easily enough. But to, to, to be called out and live separate doesn't, doesn't look like comfort many times. Uh, I'd rather be comfortable than be inconvenienced. We'd rather be comfortable than to be challenged. We'd rather be comfortable than to be stretched and following after Jesus. Uh, it, it's going to be all of those things. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be inconvenient. It's going to stretch you. Uh, but what I've noticed is, is that our Americanized Christianity looks very little like the teachings of Scripture. In fact, the teachings of Scripture are centrally about a lot, about a lot of things, but they're centrally about self-denial, laying myself down, taking my cross daily and following Christ. Self-denial looks nothing like our culture at all, anywhere that I can see. Uh, yet our, our, our watered down, our, our, our cleaned up Americanized Christianity would have you think that uh, those two things are, are, they can walk together and, and they can't walk together. Uh, in fact, walking that way looks, makes our life look more about us than it is about him. And, and that's because that's true. It's because we, there's little self-denial in us and it's more about ourselves and our, what we want and need and think we deserve than about him. And so it is, uh, it's, it's easy to become enslaved to ourself. And boy, we're living in a culture that feeds me and, and wants me to see what is of value to me rather than someone else and becoming this idea of selflessness. Well, a couple of observations as we wrap up. The first is this, and I said this a little bit before, is that most of our chains are chains of choice. Not all of them. But most of our chains are chains of choice. Now, as I said, we can't control the circumstances that fell in our lap or into our life. But we can control whether we stay there or not and allow ourselves to be victims of those things or not or, or learn to move on from those things with the Lord's help. We didn't knowingly choose to get there, but we're knowingly choosing to stay there many times. Chains of choice. Then finally, coming out of them, coming out of these chains of choice, have more to do with decisions and choices than they do with our circumstances. More to, more to do with decisions and choices we make than, than with our circumstances. You remember the story of Abraham and his walking Isaac up to the top of the mountain to sacrifice him. 
And God didn't change his circumstances by putting the ram in the thicket until, until Abraham had already decided, I'm going to put Isaac on the altar. That decision was settled. He had already decided, I'm going to sacrifice my son to Jesus. So a decision set up the circumstance, not the other way around. And many of us, I think, in, in, in lives of faith, look for the circumstances to change for, before we want to see the hand of God. And the hand of God is saying, are you willing to step out on faith with me? If you are, your circumstances will start to change. But until you're willing to step out on faith with me, the circumstances being the same, I'm not going to change your circumstance. That's how he's worked in my life a ton of times over and over and over again. That may, may not be your experience with him, but I've seen him do that to say, you make the decision to stand in this place, make the decision to, to, to do this, to say this, to go there. And as soon as you do that, I'm going to respond to you because that grows your faith. It deepens your, your walk with me. It deepens your relationship with me. Uh, to say, show me that in a decision or in a choice you make and the chains of your circumstances will fall, fall away and break away. He is a chain breaker. But we've got to move before he breaks the chain oftentimes. We've got to move in faith, step out in faith, and we'll see him break the chains that have us in bondage to all, all those things and more. Let's pray. Father, today, whatever chains are in place in people's lives in this room, our, 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 in, in our church here, and listening to watching online, I pray that you would allow us the, the wisdom to say, some of these chains I'm, I'm walking in are chains of choice. Because I've chosen to walk there, and I've allowed the enemy to lie to me about being there, that that's, that's the new norm for me. That's, or I brought that on myself, or I deserve this, or where is my God, or I can't trust him. And on and on and on the lies come from the enemy, but some of our chains are chains of choice because we choose to stay in, in the place where it's comfortable, the place where we've known and, and can predict what happens, whether it's good for us or not. Would you today give us the courage for, by the power of the word that we've seen today, learn to, to not just hear it, but heed it, walk in it, live it out, and say, today, I'm going to make the choice to live, live for you. Today, I'm going to make the choice not to allow my past to define me, not to allow my health to define me, not to allow the enemy to define me, not to allow some bad choice that I made define me. I'm going to choose to be defined by who you say that I am rather than those things. And I'm going to break the chains that have bound me from being all you want me to be, from living, living my life according to your design for me and your plan and purpose for me. I'm going to, to walk out of that place today and trust you to break the chains that have held me for all these perhaps even years and decades in some cases. Would you do that in the hearts of folks in this room today? Would you give them the courage to say, my circumstances will no longer define me. They'll no longer hold me. They'll no, no longer keep me bound. But release those and, and be set free today by the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Word of God. When those things come together, we can walk in victory. And I pray today that you, you cause the choices that are made and decisions that are made in this room to result in victory instead of defeat, to result in, in freedom instead of bondage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.